Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 33, A Conversation with Captain Ann Minimi. I'm Lieutenant Commander Alexandra Nika, currently serving as a Victims Legal Counsel at Naval Base Kitsap. Today, I have the pleasure and the privilege of acting as a podcast host slash interviewer for one of my own JAG Corps godmothers and heroes, Captain Ann Minimi. Captain Minimi's official title is Circuit Military Judge for the Northwest Judicial Circuit, Navy Marine Corps Trial Judiciary, but her reach as a leader in the JAG community extends far beyond the PNW bench. Thank you so much for joining me today, ma'am. Well, thank you for having me, Nika. Uh, yes, I am blushing here, and uh, at some point, I'm actually s- scared to open my mouth and say anything. Should um, should I change your uh, opinion of me? But uh, but we'll go ahead and try and get through this. I don't think that's really possible. Um, but let's start with sort of your typical uh, podcast introduction questions. You have been an active duty JAG for how long now, ma'am? I am a TTJA. I'm a 12th tour judge advocate, which means that I've uh, just uh, just over 25 years on active duty now. Uh, given the breadth of that experience, what do you consider some of the highlights of your career? So you had asked me to think about this, and um, uh, and it was hard. Uh, it was hard to come up with just a few. Uh, let's see. So I've sailed around the world in two different carrier deployments. I've made port calls throughout Asia, Europe, went to Australia, in the Middle East, including nine port calls to Dubai. I lived a year in the cradle of civilization in Iraq. I've lived in the tropical paradise of Hawaii, and I've lived around the cotton fields of the Mid-South. Can I keep going? Yes, you, of course you can. Okay. So, um, I've flown to Bahrain to conduct a JAGman invest- investigation of a ship collision. I've taught a generation of JAGs at NJS, and then I detailed them when they were all 04s, and then detailed them again when they were 05s and 06s. I've had a chance to helo uh, from my carrier to our destroyer in the Persian Gulf to help the Commodore relieve a CO at sea. I took a direct face shot from the carrier CO uh, during our intense transit through the Strait of Hormuz because my admiral wanted me to go to the bridge and tell the CO that he was screwing up the query responses. I was messenger, he was shooter. I've escorted Iraq's Minister of Justice from Baghdad to Washington, D.C. via New York City on his first trip ever to the United States. I've presided over courts martial at sea. I've commanded a real so. I've been called a baller by the Midland JOs. <laughs> and I even helped the chief of staff of United States a Carrier Strike Group pick napkin colors for a reception that we hosted, uh, we hosted for a Spanish frigate that was integrated into our strike group. Uh, what colors were they? You see, now I thought it was obvious. Uh, we went with red and yellow, which are the colors of the Spanish flag. Was there drama associated with that? There wasn't, but, you know, people worry about, hey, what's it like to be a a female on a strike group? And I'll tell you, you have to know your ROE, you have to know the... um, the law of the sea, you have to know everything you need to know as a strike group commander, but if the chief of staff is concerned about napkin colors, then I'm concerned about napkin colors. And for some reason, he just couldn't come up with red and yellow, the colors of the Spanish flag, as being the most appropriate. So I am just tickled pink, not red and yellow, but tickled pink that I could actually contribute to the cause. 
uh, given the cause and the cause, given these highlights, uh, you know, and and the sort of round the world, all these experiences, was there ever a time that you considered getting out? I can remember three times where I thought uh, I, I thought I would get out. Two times I thought maybe I wanted to get out, and then one time I thought I had to get out. So. The first time was very early in my career. It was my second tour, my carrier tour. Uh, I didn't like my boss very much and had some real difficulties with him during deployment. And I guess maybe because I was young, I couldn't see much past how miserable I felt and figured that it was just time to get out. Uh, But I was smart enough to realize that it was probably better to get out from shore duty instead of sea duty. So I took another uh, set of orders and, and was a base SJA up in the Northwest. And during that base SJA tour, that's when I was asked if I wanted to go teach at Naval Justice School. And my thought process was, hey, I went to law school in Boston. I still got a lot of buddies up there. So wouldn't it be nice to get back to New England? Uh, So I went ahead and took um, tours to Naval Justice School. And while I was at Naval Justice School, that's when 9-11 happened. So at that point, I decided, okay, it's time to go to war. So I got a strike group tour out of my Justice School tour. So that's why I stuck around that first time. The second time I thought about getting out um, was uh, right when my phase three of my JAG pay obligation was ending. I didn't owe any more time. Uh, I had completed my strike group tour. I had made 05, and I actually just felt very satiated. It's just the one word I can always think of. I just felt like I had done everything I wanted to do in the JAG Corps. But I stayed because, again, when I took a look at sort of what what's the next thing uh, that I could do, it still there were still some things that sounded interesting and that I wanted to do. So I went and got a free LLM at the University of Virginia, uh, and then I went back uh, to war again. I went to um, uh, I went to war in shore duty uh, in in Baghdad. And the last time I thought about getting out was just about four years ago. I had made captain, and I had made it to my three years' time in grade. Uh, and believe me, I love the JAG Corps. I love being a JAG uh, and everything that I was doing. But uh, but at that point, uh, I had to get back home to take care of my parents uh, because they it felt like they had just suddenly gotten old while I was out gallivanting around the world. So. I did not want to retire, but I had to retire because I had to come back, come back home. Uh, But this time, this last time, I stayed because the JAG Corps worked with me, and they gave me what I consider just such a gift. They allowed me to take a set of orders back home so I could take care of family and still stay on active duty. So... Based on you know your own experiences, it does sounds like staying in is not a one-time decision, a one shining moment or one crowning achievement or one thing that that that's keeping you back or keeping you in. No, um, staying in isn't isn't a one-time decision. Um, my career really has been tour by tour, right? You finish a tour, you're talking with the detailers again, you're trying to see well what what's next, what can I do, what's going to be interesting. And what do I want to do? Um, you know, I talk to JOs all the time uh, about the fact that you don't have to know right now when you're so young uh, if you're going to stay in, if you're going to stay 20. I know 20 doesn't mean anything to, to the newest folks, but um, 
But I tell folks, you don't have to know right now if you're going to stay in. And even if you told me that you were a lifer, I'm just not sure that I would believe you because I don't know how you could know. Um, you think about if you're one of these folks who came in in 2017 or 2018, 20 years it takes you out to like the year 2037 or 2038. It just Those are numbers that are just impossible to get your head wrapped around. Uh, but you have to remember that 2014, uh, to me, was that date, 20 years out in the future since I joined in 1994. So 2014 just sounded like space age time. Who knew who would be alive in 2014? Um, back then, we obviously, we didn't think out that far because we all knew no one was going to survive Y2K anyway. So again, I guess the newest folks don't really have to, to wrap their heads around a distant 20-year date to retire. Um, and I think that it's always important that you have to always keep as many options open as you can. And what that means is that at the end of every tour, you're just wondering um, what's next. I, I keep asking that same question, question. What's next? What's available to me? And does it sound interesting? So you take it tour by tour. and. You know, I guess I would also encourage folks who might be thinking about getting out is, hey, is, is the camaraderie or the sense of purpose, or really most importantly, is the grass really greener on the other side? How did that question, is the grass really greener on the other side, the camaraderie sense of purpose, how did that play a role in your decision? I'm specifically thinking the first time you, um, you faced the challenge of whether or not to stay in after that carrier tour. How did that play into that decision? Having come off of a carrier where everything is tight-knit, it is one community, it's very like insular on that on that aspect, and it was such a negative experience. You know, it, that's the weird thing about it. It wasn't, my carrier tour wasn't a negative experience. When I think about all the things that I got to do and just the life adventure out of all of it, it wasn't a negative experience. But back then, I let my negative experience with one person, my boss, um, just I guess it, at times it overshadowed everything else. And maybe this part I joke about, right? I'm a girl. I internalize things. So when I'm mad, I internalize all this stuff and I sort of forget to see the big picture of how much fun I was actually having. And I'm sure everyone feels this way when uh, when they leave their tours. But when, as soon as you leave a tour, right, all you remember are all the good things and you forget all the bad things. So it was very easy once I left the tour to see that it wasn't as bad. It's just when you're in the moment and you're living that and you're not happy, sometimes you lose sight of the bigger picture. So we talked about this, uh, at least in my introduction, that there will be a women's leadership symposium. Um, I want your thoughts on that, but I also want to address, you know, sometimes some of the criticisms or some of the um, thoughts are, yes, we are women in uniform, we're, we're female JAGs, but aren't we JAGs first and foremost? What is the value in your opinion, of having something like a women's leadership symposium focusing on these gender issues. Do you think it's a good idea or should we not be emphasizing our gender differences? You know, I, I do think that there is a sensitivity about doing something that appears to separate out folks. You know, I was raised by immigrant parents uh, who absolutely valued assimilation, and that's just how I was raised. So growing up in the JAG Corps, uh, growing up in the Navy, it just made sense to me that the senior women would work uh, to prove that we could handle equal opportunities. Uh, we wanted to show that we deserved equal treatment and ultimately win equal 
medical recognition. We certainly didn't work for special treatment, special recognition, or special symposium. But I don't see a women's leadership symposium as an exercise in emphasizing gender differences. Uh, I think it certainly recognizes that women often learn grow and are inspired in different ways. Um, but a women's leadership so symposium lets us, as a JAG community, have some of the conversations that women want to have. You know, I, I believe that the JAG Corps is committed to professional development, and all you have to do is just take a look at all the different professional development programs that we have that target specific segments of our enterprise, whether it's FTJAs, PDOs, we have an 04 walk in the woods, we have an 06 walk in the woods, we teach PCOs and PXOs, we have a CTS, we have a JTS, we have DIVDUR summits, um, we have an NLEC, a local ROSOs, uh, DSOs, VLC, they have their symposia, Fleet TICOM, uh, they put together their own legal symposia. And of course, we have the Bubba's networks and circles that develop organically throughout our enterprise. So I think a women's leadership symposium is a build on what we already do. Women are just another segment of our enterprise uh, that, at least at the lieutenant level, I understand they're, that they're up to 42% of our officers. So I would be inspired by such an event. And I'm inspired really by your generation who uh, continue to work towards something that uh, I think can make us all better. You mentioned um, all of the efforts that the JAGCOR has and the JAGCOR investment in professional development. Um, did you, how about leadership development? Is, is that the same thing in your opinion or is that something different? Well, I think leadership development is a distinct part of professional development. You know, I wonder whether leadership is something that you actually teach or leadership is something that you watch and learn and then develop your own style. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but I guess, you know, maybe there's some, some basics or some direction and guidance that you want to be given um, at first, but, but I've just thought a lot about uh, leadership. And the thing that speaks to me the most is that leadership is action, right? It's not a thing. Leadership is action. Um, and leadership is thinking about what action you can or should take in what different situation, what approach should you use. Um, and the approach you use is obviously different for every situation. So for example, leadership could be the actions that you take if you're motivating a large team towards achieving some big complicated mission. Uh, but leadership can also be uh, reaching out to one individual and making just one connection with one person, uh, even if you're just encouraging them. But it's the action that you take that makes you a leader, either because of the positive impact you have on the mission or on the people, or the actions you take to inspire others to have those positive impacts. We talk. We talked a little bit about this as well. One of the Jaguar tenets is being brilliant on the basics. For you, is leadership one of those basics, or is that something that is... I don't know, starts off as basic and then becomes more nuanced as you take that action. To me, brilliant on the basics is about guarding against complacency. So you think about Admiral Rickover's nuclear Navy, where there was little, if any, margin for error. And he trained his sailors to have 
what I've heard described as an intense attention to the daily drudgery. So you think about, you know, how do you get that kind of buy-in from your sailors? Then you're back to thinking about what actions do you have to take as a leader? So to answer your question, yes, leadership is a basic because it threads throughout everything that we do to train and to motivate our people. Uh, In preparing for this interview, we had a lot of conversations, and um, my favorite phrase you use that uh, although your day job, and a very busy one at that, is a circuit judge for the Northwest, you have a side hustle. Um, Can you describe that for us? What what is it, and why do you do it? Yes, uh, I I think I even put this in my fit rep, that my day job is as military judge, but my side hustle are all the gigs that I get uh, to provide training, to address just different audiences um, about uh, writing fit reps and because I think fit rep writing is so much about professional development. Uh, I think about all the opportunities I get to talk to officers in different areas, not just officers, but enlisted also, um, the, the law students that come through, uh, and even some peers, just to talk to them about their careers. Um, part of my side hustle is doing record reviews. Uh, in a way, you know, looking at a record and, and looking at a PSR is, is like looking at a puzzle. So maybe it's just a weird... Um, weird part of me that that I I enjoy doing all that stuff, but really it's a way that I can stay engaged um, in the community and meet as many people as I can. Can I pause for a second? So I, I before we uh, before we went on uh, and officially started recording this podcast, uh, Captain Minami and I spent uh, having had another very long conversation during which she revealed to me her notebook of great ideas and resources that she's picked up over the years, as well as her folders of great ideas and articles and resources. I think is your that, side has something for public uh, public consumption. I think the side hustle is more than just the gigs you do. It's the preparation. Can you talk to us a little bit about all those efforts that you take and the time you spend doing all of those things as well? Well, you call it preparation, but again, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this stuff. So when I read things that inspire me, when I read things that make me think specifically about leadership or how to be a good leader, um, I I save it or I write it down, maybe because I have such a poor memory. Um, but, but then I can go back and look at it again, and sometimes you find the right words, the right examples um, to use when you are talking to someone else to try and make a point, or when you have a situation arise that you might not have uh, experienced before or thought of before, you can just pull back on these, or I guess pull from um, these words and lessons from other folks. And I think that goes back to a point you were trying to make earlier, is that, For leadership, yes, it's something that you have to think about on your own so you can develop your own style. Um, But there certainly are, you have to watch a lot too. You have to watch other people um, and see what you like and what you don't like and apply your own filters because you know what works for you. Um, And other people might think that they're great leaders when they're really not. Um, So watch and learn and make make leadership your own. So the side hustle, uh, why do you spend so much time doing it? Why do you do this? You would ask me that, and I'm not sure if I can answer that. In, in a way, I just feel this intense sense of responsibility. Um, 
I said it before, I think you're going to hear it again, but, but leadership is action. And this just happens to be something that I can do. Uh, what I offer is a perspective, a perspective of 25 years in this organization as, um, as a self-described quintessential generalist. I feel like I've done just a lot of different things. And when I talk to folks or if I'm doing a record review for somebody um, or helping them put a package together for a board or, or draft a fit rep, uh, the word that they always use is, you know, thank you, this was very helpful. It was very helpful. And sometimes, even if it only just gives them peace of mind after we've talked through something that might have been worrying them, um, that I think that's just a good positive impact. So if I can have a positive impact on somebody, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I do it? reminds me of something else. Leadership leadership always wants us to remember that we are a war-fighting organization, and we are a nation that is at war. Sometimes it feels like it's mostly an armchair war for a lot of Americans, but we have to remember that we're a war-fighting organization. And everything that we do has to support our ability to fight and to win. And it is our people that are a critical element to fighting and winning. My side hustle is all about supporting our people. So in support of our people, I know that you have a killer leadership presentation that you've been developing uh, based on those years of experience and all that research and all of the work you've done, um, both in and out of the JAG Corps. Can you share some of those principles, some of your leadership principles with us today? Yeah, I, I put together this um, training just because, like I told you, I just think a lot um, about well, what lessons have I learned? Twenty five years, even though it just feels like um, it feels like yesterday that I came in, uh, it does surprise me sometimes that it's twenty five years. And I've tried to to figure out well, what have I learned during this time, if anything, and and I tried to boil it down into bite sized pieces because uh, when you talk to folks. Uh, they don't like to listen to you ramble, kind of like I'm doing right now. So they want these nice bite-sized little pieces that they can digest. And that was sort of the thought process behind trying to put together a brief about what lessons I had learned. So the first lesson, it's no surprise since I've said it all uh, a couple times already, um, it just it's a, comes from a quote. Uh, Leadership is action, not position. And I think this quote is attributed to a, a guy named Don McGannon, who was a, an executive uh, with Westinghouse many years ago. But leadership is not a reward for your past performance. And I think some leaders get in trouble because they sometimes they think by the time they reach this big leadership position, it's they're just being rewarded for things that they had done in the past. But leadership is action, meaning that your organization has recognized that you have what it takes to continue to lead this organization at some strategic level. So you have to act, you have to be involved, and you have to stay engaged. This concept is also written about in the Bathsheba Syndrome article that many of you have probably read. The second lesson that I put together or I think about is that you always have to look up and you have to look down. Looking up means you look up to what leadership needs and you try and be a part of the solution. Right? Leadership represents the mission and it's always all about the mission. Uh, at the same time, you have to continuously look down to mentor and to make things better for those people who are coming behind you. Uh, even if it's just trying to communicate to those coming behind you what it is we're trying to accomplish. 
The third lesson is that you have to make good decisions. You know, we're lawyers and we're trained um, to analyze. We are trained to advocate a certain position. And, and a lot of times we just make a lot of recommendations so that our commanders can make decisions. But someday you're going to be the decider. Someday you're going to be a CEO and you've got to make a lot of decisions about your people. Someday you're going to be a military judge and all you do is make decisions all day. So how do you make good decisions? And that I'm just going to leave as a teaser so that uh, you have to come and listen to my uh, to my brief to get my opinions about that. And then the last one, last lesson I learned is you have to stay humble. Um, you have to remember that you chose a career of service. So I think in an earlier conversation you mentioned perhaps as part of some of um is how do we how do we make either those good decisions or how do we make good leaders? One of the things you had mentioned is that we should have confidence, um, be confident in ourselves, be confident in some of that decision making that we make. And now we also have uh, as a thread throughout this a sense of humility as well. I, I can personally attest to the fact that as a uh, JO, and I don't know if I've mastered it just yet, there is always a um, tension between feeling confident um, and having a fear of failure or fearing that we're doing the right thing, but then also trying to not let that confidence overwhelm our sense of humility uh, and so to the point where we become a, a big a big head, big ego kind of situation. Uh, I know I still struggle with that, um, certainly. But what, you know, how do you balance that confidence and that humility? How do you um, find the confidence without losing sight of the need for humility. See, I see these as two very different things. So humility humility is about seeing beyond yourself and understanding that it's not all about you, that we all serve something bigger. And of course, for us, that something bigger is the mission. So humility is, a, is about seeing beyond yourself. A confidence is about believing in yourself and understanding that you have a lot to contribute to that bigger something else that we all serve. So humility is important because it gives you perspective. Again, it's not all about you. Uh, but confidence is critical because confidence gives you power. It gives you strength to know that you have things that you can contribute. Um, and I, I do talk to, you know, maybe it is women more often uh, than not, uh, who are always concerned about, just concerned about a lot of things. It actually reminds me of a Mark Twain uh, quote. I think it's attributed to Mark Twain. He says, you know, I'm an old man with a great many problems, most of which have never materialized. <laughs> so I, I think I think I'm like that a lot. We like to, I'm a thinker, obviously, and uh, I think I'm a worrier too. And and I've had JOs tell me, you know, I whenever these senior officers give them advice, the advice they give them is, hey, you know, don't worry, trust the system, trust the process, it's all going to work out. And I get that for a JO, that is not like actionable. That's not actionable advice to just sort of, hey, it's all going to work out. Um, so what I what I try and tell JOs, or what I try and get them to understand, I think I spoke about this at JTS. Um, is that I'm not asking you to trust the system. I'm not asking you to trust the process because I'm not actually sure what process or system we're, we're actually talking about. But I'm asking you to trust yourself. 
because you know when you think about when you were in high school and how you know everything was just so overwhelming and all these big decisions um, how important everything seemed way back in high school but you got through all that then you go to college it's like well what am I going to major in because we all know that whatever you major in in college is absolutely positively going to you know determine the direction of your life so it made that decision so crazy important and yet you made it and you survive then you know you get to law school it's like am I going to pass the bar am I going to get a job and you did. You all passed the bar. You all got a good job. You're sitting in the JAG course. So you have already shown what you can do um, and that you can succeed and that you have this ability to make, to make the right decisions. Things probably don't always turn out the way you think that they will, but, but you've already proven that you can do it and that you can be fine. So, um, so you have to have confidence in yourself just by virtue of the fact that you're already successful standing right where you are. And then with respect to, I guess, humility sometimes, um, there's also potentially a struggle with that and advocating for yourself or, or trying to, I hate to say promote yourself, but certainly put yourself out there or ask for things that you need. What advice do you have on sort of that tension or, or, or maintaining humility while still being in a position to advocate for yourself or, or get what you need to have happen? Um, So humility, I, I just told you, right, is about uh, seeing beyond yourself and understanding that it's not all about you. There is a, a bigger mission, a bigger thing that we all serve. Um, but when I come out of the clouds and come down and put my feet right back on the ground again, the advice that I would give um, other folks is that you still, you have to absolutely ask for what you want and for what you need. And for women, this is very hard. I think when you read the literature, the folks will tell us that it's way easier for us to advocate on behalf, uh, on behalf of others than it is to advocate on behalf of ourselves. What I'm just telling you is that um, you have to ask for what you want and you have to ask for what you need. What you cannot do, though, is that if you don't get what you want, you can't badmouth the Navy, badmouth the JAG Corps, badmouth everyone uh, because you didn't get what you wanted. Uh, I tell folks all the time, and maybe this sort of came from my detailing days, that if you're unhappy, then you go right ahead and complain. You complain all you want, but just don't complain out loud because it's your reputation uh, that is something that you need to be cognizant of and how you handle bad news goes as much towards building your reputation uh, as how you handle good news. Is there any other advice that you'd have for us, um, either on decision making or on, on, you know, those those sort of things we need to do for ourselves? Um, I guess the only other thing I'll add is that you, you know, you have to create your own support network. Um, we, even though JAG Corps is a small JAG Corps, it's still a large organization. So you have to go out and create your own Bubba's network. Uh, you need folks that you trust, that you can call, that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can get sanity checks from. You have to support each other out there. Um, I guess maybe this is the last thing I'll say is go get record reviews. Get record reviews, get them early, and get them often. Um, you know, it, 
this, the earlier you get them, the more time you have in case you learn something that you might not have known about uh, to try and address before you might ever come up for a selection board. So I'll just end it on that completely practical piece of advice. Do you do those record reviews? I do a lot of record reviews. <laughs> Is this an offer to the JAG Corps? I'm just telling you, there are a lot of smart people out in the JAG course, so go get record reviews. Well, thank you, ma'am. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for participating in this podcast today. Um, your experience in mentorship is and has been invaluable, certainly to me and I know to the JAG Corps. Um, I hope to hear your full leadership presentation soon, and I hope others also get that opportunity. I hear it's it's potentially making a bit of a road show um, and featuring in a location near you. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.